this is the Ferndale Library Podcast, A Little Too Quiet, and it's brought to you by the friends of the Ferndale Library. Today I'm talking to Jesse Shepard Bates, who is a local musician, but also the general manager at the WAB, that is the Woodward Avenue Brewers, which is a, a, a bar and restaurant that's literally just right down the street from us. They're basically our neighbors. and. Jesse is a longtime library patron and has performed here, and we're going to be talking about the DIY Street Festival, among other things. Now, what's the DIY Street Festival? It is an annual event that happens right around the fall equinox, and it is a right here in the parking lot at the library, right here on the, the side street behind the library, and it's just really full of great energy setting up vendors of local artists and crafters who are selling everything from uh, soaps that they make or candles or woodwork or paintings or who knows what furniture even and down the street right in front of the WAB the Woodward Avenue Brewery there's a giant stage where there's lots of local musicians playing all the live long day and we can't have that this year so you know uh, obviously Jesse was going to be a big part of running that in a, in, a, in a normal and possibly more safer world. We're going to be talking about that, but we're going to be talking about Jesse's history as a component of the local music scene because he has been involved with a handful of venues as, I guess, what you would call the, uh, the events coordinator, I guess you would say, the director of events, the general manager, the operations manager, program coordinator. He's always been a, a party planner, but... Uh, it's not like he's kind of a extroverted type A party guy, as you'll maybe hear on this podcast, although he did just let me know, and I don't know what to make of this, that he has props that he's bringing to the conversation. But Jesse is, he's a singer, he's a songwriter, he's a guitarist, he's a bassist, he, I think he plays some other instruments we'll probably ask about, but uh, I've known him for a long time and he's always really enjoyed, I don't know what it is about it, something we're going to ask him, but he's always really enjoyed getting people together and I think that's something we're all missing right now is just gathering together and enjoying music but we're going to talk to Jesse about all of that we're going to talk about the web we're going to talk about Ferndale and we thank you for listening here is our chat It's very good to see you, Jesse. And I've, it just feels like ages since I've seen you. Of course, time feels completely altered now. Five months feels like five years. But it's been a while. How are you? I'm good. Tuesdays, I live in Oak Park. Uh-huh. And Tuesdays are my don't cross Woodward day, which is my just my, my way of not accidentally going to work. Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, it makes me do things like mow the lawn. Uh-huh. If I don't set that boundary, then I'll just be in Ferndale every day. <laughs> Perhaps I'll move to Ferndale soon and solve that problem. Our respective workspaces are like 500 feet away from each other, if that. If that, yeah. There was a title upgrade, right? You're general manager now. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm the general manager of the whole, the whole shebang now. Yeah, of a two-story building with giant vats that brew beer. Yes, and of a burger joint across the street and a music venue next to it and a tiki bar behind it. Oh my gosh. And hopefully the return of two giant festivals per year. Yeah, that's, you know, I think that is, uh, I guess that's the, the place to start is I've already let folks know in the intro that you have, from when we first met years ago, before you started working in venues, you've always been someone who was into organizing big spectacles. Uh, just 
seemed like someone who I guess seemed to be good at spinning lots of plates. How how do you do that? And and what did you like about it? Let's go way back, fifteen years even, when you were uh, as young as I was back then in the in the music scene. Yeah, I think I first started scratching the itch of a big spectacle shortly after Hurricane Katrina. Okay, yeah. Uh, it was my first and only semester at college and needed something to distract me, as you do when you're paying to be taught uh, in school. Right. Um, and organized a four-night benefit. Had no clue how to promote it. <laughs> and for the what the lineup was, which I don't, I don't have on hand, but it was, looking back, it was an absolutely incredible lineup of bands. I mean, I would be so mad if somebody booked that lineup now and promoted it as poorly as I did then. Uh, <laughs> well, we raised as much money as we could, and, and that was kind of the start of my madness. But I've, I've always been, uh, you know, a promoter, I guess. I've always been a big fan of, of music and other people's music. And, and I've, I mean, we've talked for, yeah, for, for many years about, you know, Detroit sort of being an under-recognized music mecca. And, and it's gone through so many forms. And I feel like just now, Years later, techno, like it, Detroit's being recognized as, as the, the birthplace of, of techno. And, right. and now it's very, it's very hip to, to go to Detroit for techno, you right. know, where that, that took years. Yeah, we were known for Motown, but then sure. everything else was just, the recognition didn't really materialize yet. You know, uh, people came around and said, oh, well, Detroit has some punk history too and all this, you know, so yeah. Yeah, I think I've just, I mean, I've, I've been in bands for, I don't know, more than half my life now, so I... I can only play so many shows. So I think that's where I started booking other people yeah. for shows. And then the multi-venue booking turned into multi-stage booking. And remember early on doing that at, at, at New Dodge and turning the floor into a, a, a stage and packing it out. And, and it's just, it's always really gratifying for me to get a moment to step back and see people that are really happy, especially when I, they have no idea who I am and I have no idea who they are. Right. And it's not a recognition thing. Like, I don't give a, a darn mm-hmm. who uh, library podcast. Library podcast. You got to keep it clean. Library podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't give a hoot. Like, who knows if I'm booking something? It's just, I like sort of covertly seeing people happy. Yeah. Like, it's really gratifying. So, so yeah, I think that plate thing translated to me getting into venue management. Well, actually, booking a bunch of shows and then complaining about blowout is how I kind of got to know Chris Johnston, who's the owner of Wabco. For listeners uh, who aren't familiar, the blowout is a annual end of winter, early spring, three-day big festival, 200 bands at least, and multi-venues, et cetera, et cetera. And Jesse wanted to get involved. I, I didn't even want to get involved. <laughs> I was I was mad that they were expanding it from Hamtramck to Ferndale. Right. And then Chris reached out to me and wanted to know what my grievances were why I had any right to, he was, he was booking it. He had been brought on to book it. So I made them known and he said, well, you want to help me book it? Okay. And I was like, yeah, I can, yeah, I'll represent whatever the true blowout spirit. And then later that year, he hired me to be a manager at the WAB, which led to managing the Loving Touch, which led to booking way more shows. Eventually formed a, a production company to allow me to, basically allow me to lose more money. <laughs> As one does. Right. Take more risks and bring more national talent to town to get, local bands in front of and got 12 festivals under my belt and expanded to Mopop and helped run the bar there for a couple of years and steered the ship at left steered the ship at the Crowfoot for about six months came back and then um then the apocalypse happened right <laughs> that's it that catches you, you up that catches us all up that's my story yeah i'm just wondering if i were asked to steer these big ships 
something inside of me would have said, oh, Jeff, this is too much to handle. Do you have that? I don't know what it could be in, in the brain. Maybe it's the prefrontal cortex or the hypothalamus that might like discharge some nervousness chemicals. But you, do you ever get overwhelmed? I guess that's a stupid question. But please answer that stupid question. I have I have my days. Yeah. That I wonder what the heck I'm doing. But when I when I don't have a ton of plates spinning, that's when I get nervous. That's when I get anxious. Interesting. Um, so really, I mean, my big stimulation and, and the way I work is to take on a bunch of plates and then organize them and live and die by spreadsheets. I love them. Just get everything <laughs> organized, build things into systems, then pilot it and then get something where it's, you know, you just press a button and a whole thing runs itself basically and then move on to the next thing. Oh, so, that's cool. Yeah. And, and I mean, with, with, as far as Wabco goes, you know, it's, it's a really great team there. Top down. I mean, Chris and Brian, who, who call in the place, are involved. They're there almost every day. We've got like an all-star team that's working during this bizarre time where we're only open outside. The loving touch is dark. Yeah. But we've pivoted to, to just be a giant patio. So we've, we've had to reconfigure everything we're doing. So for, for those not familiar, the Emory and the Web are, are right, right by the library. They're both yeah. off Trump Street. Um, at least one entrance in the library. It's is. like you see uh, in cartoons of like New York in the 30s when like apartments are right next to each other and they have like uh, shared laundry lines. Like that's kind of what it you picture that in your head. And that's kind of what the restaurants are like. Yeah. So so there's Troy Street and then the Emory and Webb are on either side. And then there's Port. Then we put a bunch of tables behind the Emory. So we've allowed for a lot of seats where people can space out. Yeah. Port and then the uh, the Wab Cafe where we're also doing coffee. They have plexiglass you order behind, following all the rules with you know masks unless you're at your table. Ordering through QR codes, you can pay right from your table or from service. So we're we're trying to keep things as safe as possible, and and it it helps to have just the best crew. We have a really great small crew, but it's tough. I mean, we've all had our moments where we're just like, what is going on? You know, with like. Just anything. I mean, if it's, you know, just the changes, you know, we're in the same buildings where most of us have worked for years, but it's like a whole new world, a whole new restaurant, whole new service standards. Yeah, it's the um, same here in the library where every other day, one day it, it's we're in this scenario where we're spaced out and safe and distanced and masked and plexiglass and it feels normal for a minute. And then the next day you walk in, and you're like, what is this? I, you know, that's exactly how it feels. That's a whole other thing, though, is that, you know, just another extra shout out to your team is that. I knew Jesse as this, you know, kind of a ringleader, uh, maybe a, a Pied Piper organizer of bands in, in big lineups. But the more you got into these roles, you become captain, a leader of people. Bands are part of it, but, you know, there's people, there's staff, there's bartenders, you know, there's all these family, maybe, you know? It does feel like family, for yeah. sure. And it's tough, too, because, I mean... <sighs> All these restaurants in the venue, I mean, if you think about the Loving Touch, that's a such a huge part of the company. And, and honestly, Ferndale, you know, like as a whole, like we've oh, got yeah. these these venues in Ferndale, Otis and Magic Bag and the Loving Touch and New Way. And mm -hmm. for music to just go dark, gone, it's it's so strange. And and I'm sure I'm sure Carrie and the Magic Bag team have the same situation where the whole staff just like, see, you guys, we, right. we don't, you know, on on March 15th or 16th whenever it was that the order came down like we said bye and, and we didn't have answers for anybody yes Just, you know you you're you're laid off we we have to governor says you're laid off we agree 
And then I just watched shows, you know, because I see the calendar and I watch these shows that were coming up get rescheduled and then the rescheduled date get rescheduled and then that rescheduled date either get canceled or rescheduled. And now I'm not even I'm not seeing any 2020 dates. I'm seeing spring 2021. And I wonder, are we going to see those shows? Yeah. You know, if you think about if you think about a restaurant, you can go to half capacity. Right. And just organize the tables. Sure. If you think about a museum. Yeah. Uh, uh, DIA. You know, there's people milling about different exhibits. Sure. But at a venue, there's just a stage and that's the focal point or a bar. And that's when the stage is the focal point, the bar is. So if you go down to 100 people allowed in, if you go down to 50 people allowed in, 30 people allowed in, the second a band hits, they yeah. go to the front of the stage. Yeah. It's magnetism. And where's the social distancing? You know, mask or not. And if you look at a singer, when you sing, you're expelling just as much aerosol as, as if you were coughing. Right. So if you go up to the front of the stage and a singer's singing at you, you might as well be sneezing on you or coughing on you. So the, the, maybe, I guess it was funny, but also, God, it was just so weird. Flaming lips. I, I don't know if you saw the video where, so Wayne has his hamster ball that he's been doing for years. Right. Video of him right when this started of everyone in the band was in a hamster ball. Mm -hmm. And then everyone in the crowd was in a hamster ball. Mm -hmm. And, but I, I mean, honestly, that would be the way to do a show or, um, <laughs> WDET just I, I heard um, Ryan talking on Culture Shift about them doing a drive-in theater stand-up thing mm -hmm. where every other car you know every other space has a car and it's piped in I mean there are ways to do it but as far as local small venues go it's it's I don't know I don't know which, what to do which leads us as to why we can you know why we can never lose that or at least hopefully never lose that Obviously, we can't have it now, but that's what makes it so important to make sure that as soon as we can get it back, we can get it back. I want to just talk about why you think it's such a beautiful thing, such a valuable thing to to have those shared experiences, to to have big gatherings, to have our fellow human beings around, even if we don't know the person next to us. You've been to 14,000 shows at this point in your life. What do you think is so special about that? Oh, got, got a couple hours. I mean... <laughs> I think it's yeah. We'll just do a mini series. Yeah, there's there's so many layers of what makes each each experience special. You know, I mean, anything from DIY street fair, which is you know, I think they did 13 years before. Yeah, I could be wrong. Yeah, it was like, 13. This would have been 14. This would have been 14. And that's, I mean, what a great festival that is. There's all of the artists in the the booths selling their wares, which not to go off on another tangent, but pop up artists like what are they doing right now? There's all the bands that come to town. It gives local bands an opportunity to perform on, you know, a giant stage for a big crowd and vendors, you know, food vendors and clothing vendors. And then you've got, you know, people that just, you know, it's, it's somewhere you can bring a kid. You can bring yeah. a dog, bring it, your it grandma. It has such a neighborhood feel to it, for sure. It is. It, it's, it's very neighborly and there's no gates. There's no entrance fee. Mm -hmm. There's, I mean, you can just walk up and walk out and safety measures are in place and, and it's mm -hmm. such a good feeling and, and when the sun goes down it's it's the most magical thing I've I've been there as a as a festival manager, an attendee and a performer. And I'll tell you what, as a performer, there's there's nothing more magical than when the sun goes down and all of a sudden where the sun might have been your eye, you take your sunglasses off for the first time and Troy Street is completely jam packed with people and they're all watching. And then there are people that are just on the other side of the festival in Nymo. And, you know, the closer they get, the more they can hear your music and it's carrying and you reach this whole other audience. And we last year when Junior Junior was playing, um, the Chris's, two of the Chris's and I, Chris Johnson and Chris Coburn, who brews the awesome beer at the Web, we went on top of the Web roof and just looked at the whole thing. And it's just, 
like I was saying before, so many smiles. So you got that kind of show. And then you've got a show like um, early last year, was it late 2018? The High Strung and, and Ronnie Tibbs did a dual album release at UFO Factory. Oh, that would have been uh, January of uh, 19. That seems right. Yeah. yeah. So UFO Factory can fit about 200 people in there. Maybe. And maybe. I mean, it shouldn't, but right. it can't. There's no reason why the High Strung or Ronnie Tibbs should be having their release party at a 200 cap venue, but they both did a duel. And I mean, the thing sold out and it was jam packed and, and the music was incredible. And there, you know, you just see everybody smiling and it's this sweaty packed house and, and, and the sounds good. And, you know, Ronnie Tibbs band is just huge. You could barely fit on the stage. And, and that show, you know, for the 200 people that got their tickets, got in, mm-hmm. that's magical in a whole other way. That's like a, you know, places like uh, Outer Limits or or New Way or UFO, these tiny venues that like they get these incredible bands and pack them out. Those shows are so special. And it's a shared experience. And as a fan, not as a performer, you know that everyone in the room really wanted to be there. You right. know, they they made sure that they were going to get their ticket ahead of time to see these bands that are local, you know. And I mean, Josh has had amazing success as a writer and and the high strung of, you know, they did their shameless song and, mm-hmm. and they're, in my opinion, they're legends, but I mean, it's just, there's something really, really special about going to a small show like that. And then there's everything in between every, yeah. I've seen hundreds of shows at the loving touch, whether I wanted to or not. Right. And I think about metal shows, yeah. you know, and, and, and you think of metal as, you know, and headbanging. Yeah. Headbanging, they are the nicest, most polite crowds. They're the best tippers for bartenders. They're like, the sweetest people and they come together out of this shared love for just a uh, double kick drum for, for loud music, for, for thinking of bands like beast in the field where you can't get out of the venue without a headache. And right. there's all these shared things where people come together and don't know each other cram in together. Mm-hmm. And I cannot think of, you couldn't pay me to step foot in a venue where I'm touching somebody I don't know right now. Isn't that interesting? Because what you were describing was, was something that made me realize is that I miss being close to people. If we were at that, as we were, we were at that UFO show where it's basically a rectangular sardine can. Part of, this is weird to say it loud, but part of my enjoyment was I was close to you. You were like four feet away from me or Ronnie Tibbs is like seven feet away from me. And it sounds gross and dangerous to say that out loud, but but in this way, it's like the audience is... I don't know. It sounds dangerous, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? Just just the proximity is something that adds to the specialness. It really does. Yeah. I mean, so. there's there's people you don't know it, you know. Again, I mean, if you think about a step bigger, I remember going to see Gogo Bordello mm-hmm. years ago, 10 years ago, and being in this weird gypsy punk mosh pit. Which was right. Like, it wasn't even mosh pit. The whole crowd was just like moving each other. Yeah. It's like falling down and picking each other up and moving and that you don't think of Gogo Bordello as like a moshy thing, but it's, they're just pushing each other. And who would, who would do that now? And, and, and conversely, if you move to a seated format, you know, who wants to go see uh, uh, Black Dahlia murder at an assigned seated seating show where every clump of seats is six feet away from each other. Yeah. Like, where's the specialness? Where's, where's the, the, the thrill? Yeah. It's like we're touching on something here. Uh, that sounds like a play on words that I said we're touching on something. What we're touching on is all of our other senses. We do enjoy, even if the it's the touch of someone kind of shoving us or jostling us in a mosh pit, that's something that's really visceral that I think really is imbued with 
energetic music or punk music or metal music. But when you talk about, because I got goosebumps when you talk about DIY Street Fair and the literal magic of being here at twilight when when we're on Troy Street behind the library at DIY Street Fair. I guess that is our eyes are seeing something, our ears are hearing music, our we're tasting food that's coming from vendors. And it's kind of, uh, yeah, it's just all that stimuli. You know what I mean? That's what we're missing. Obviously, the music's good. We like listening to it, but we're missing that other stimuli. We covered a lot of ground. And in fact, we covered all the questions I wanted to do except the library stuff because I do miss seeing you here in the library and you used to come in here often. And you yes. would make a beeline for the graphic novel shelf. Yep. Which, first first shelf. And you easy to get to. You would read yeah. like literally anything and everything. You had uh you had but you always had great taste. I was uh checked out or I made mental notes with what you brought to the to the desk to check out. What'd you bring to the podcast? People can't see it, but bring me some of your props. What do you got there? So one thing that I know a lot of people got into for uh during during any form of quarantine and really before is binge watching. Mm -hmm. And the great things about graphic novels and something that's always driven me towards graphic novel series rather than just one-offs is uh, binge reading. They're really easy for binge reading. You're not going to, you know, squint too much and they're stimulating. So I, I grabbed some of my favorite series, many of which, maybe all of which I think actually are at the Ferndale public library. You can do screen caps if if you like. What do you, what do you got up first? So there's some themes here. Uh, the first couple are, are uh, end-of-the-world scenarios that are much worse than we have now. <laughs> uh, so we have – here, let me show – here, Why the Last Man mm-hmm. by Brian K. Vaughn, which is an incredible series. There's a virus. Nobody knows what happens, but uh, all of the ma- all the males, every species on Earth, die. And for some reason, the main character, Yorick, and his pet monkey, um, Ampersand, Ampersand, uh, they survive. And he just wants to find his family without exposing that he's a man because, you know, he'll be cut up for right. experimentation. Absolutely incredible series. Yeah. Imaginative, funny. I mean, Brian K. Vaughn is, is probably my favorite writer of comic books. I believe that they're going to be adapting that pretty soon or that they're premiering the adaptation of that pretty soon. I think. I mean, they have to. Show. They have to adapt everything. There's so many networks. I don't know if, um, folks, I can't see what he's about to bring up, but we should note that Brian K. Vaughn is the creator of my favorite graphic novel series of all time, which is just called Saga. Well, let me skip ahead. Skipping ahead, you <laughs> might as well just bring that to the to the fore. Saga is. is also my favorite graphic novel series of all time. This hiatus is killing me. It's killing and us. Yes, it's been over a year since mm-hmm. they paused, which means it's a great chance for first time readers to catch up to Jeff and me. They they uh, left on an excruciating cliffhanger, Ugh. <laughs> and uh, they've announced that it's the halfway point, but they wanted to take a break to not burn out. It's sort of like, what if, in space, of course, with alien species, but then maybe what if Romeo and Juliet were very capable soldiers who kind of stayed together for an entire adventure and everyone was trying to get them because they thought that their love was an abomination. That's a start. That's a start. That's that's an incredible, uh, incredible way to draw yeah. people in. Yeah. It's off world. It's not here. It's it's just read it. Saga, yes. you have to read. You have to read. Uh, what else do you got? Not for kids. None of these are for kids. Not for kids, no. <laughs> of course, you can't talk apocalypse without talking about The Walking Dead, which did a surprise ending. Robert Kirkman, the author. Of course, most people have heard about this show, I'm sure. He didn't notify anybody this thing was ending. He even uh, left some... He lied a little bit about upcoming issues. Uh, and then a mega issue hit the stands, and it was the end. Wow. Uh, amazing... I like I like when I can advise people to read something with an end because I can vouch for the whole thing and say it doesn't go off the rails. Right. <laughs> um, 
this makes the TV show look like Pinocchio. Wow. This is, it's, oh my God, this thing will tear you apart. It's <laughs> wonderful. And again, it'll make you appreciate that maybe you have Zoom calls with your loved ones, but at least they're not trying to eat your brains. Um, good, good note. <laughs> this is a two-parter. You can't talk graphic novels without talking about Watchmen. Oh, yes. And this is important because you have to read this and then watch the HBO series, which is a sequel. Yeah. And important to note is a sequel to the book, not to the movie. The movie is a basically a shot-for-shot shot remake until the very last chapter. And for no explanation I'm aware of, it ruins it, changes everything. Right. Um, the series goes off of the book's ending. Um, the series is about a year later, maybe less than a year later, is coming to the forefront. It opens up depicting the Tulsa Massacre on Black Wall Street. From 1921. Which I had never heard of before. Many people had never heard of until this show came out. The show deals with race. It deals with so many issues that are on the forefront today. And it's, it's absolutely worth watching. But you might be a little lost without reading it. And the last thing, which I know I rented from the library, is the daddy of all graphic novel series. It's Sandman. Yes. By Neil Gaiman. Also being adapted into a show, finally, now. Neil Gaiman... If you haven't read his books, read them all. Uh, he's responsible for American Gods, which is a show. Uh, Neverwhere, which is a radio show and a movie. Good Omens was him and Terry Pratchett. Stardust, Graveyard Book. The graveyard Book. Sandman's incredible, and, and, and much like Saga, it'll take you out of the real world. It's yeah. Maybe the most imaginative piece of fiction you can find. Incredible. Yeah. And like also coming up for some kind of adaptation at some point. So I, if you really, that's what I, I think I've said this at some point, if if you want to know what what is going to be a future show on HBO, just go to the graphic novel section and just pull anything yeah. out. Absolutely, and they're 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 really nice reads because I mean, if you look at well, it's not visual. If if you look at any of them, I mean, the art is is just as important as the story, right. and it's it's a way to read. If if, if anybody's like me and you, your attention span has been ruined by reality for years, I mean, phones and just instant gratification. It's, it's hard for me to sit down and read a book, but a graphic novel can suck me in. Yeah. And still my imagination's going. It might not be creating as many images as a book, but, you know, I'm hearing the voices and I'm seeing the motion between the, the panels. And if you're going to check this stuff out, go to Ferndale Public Library. If you want to yeah. buy graphic novels, you should go to Comics and More in Madison yeah. Heights. Yeah. See Chris there. Yeah. The best comic book store. But yeah, Ferndale Public Library has has all this local music I've been talking about. Right. The graphic novels we're talking about. You guys are doing, are you, you're letting people in now or is it just curbside pickup? At the time of this taping, which is August, uh, at this moment, we're still keeping it safe. We're just doing curbside. People can get their, their materials. We'll, we'll hand it off to them, contactless pickups. But, you know, uh, beyond just what we could give you, if you want to order a physical copy of something we have, that tens of thousands of digital resources, be they movies, uh, music, uh, audiobooks, ebooks, etc. So we got stuff, you know, that's, I think that that's under the library design. That's our motto. We got stuff. I that's think that's, that's our official mission. So it's also, know. I feel like libraries, this could be the moment for the great library comeback because you have all of these, I don't know anybody who's cabling. We have all these a la carte services. You know, I just checked out HBO Max for the first time today. Mm -hmm. I won't say whose account I use, but it wasn't mine. Mm -hmm. um, so you have HBO Max, you've got Netflix, you've got Disney Plus, Peacock, Hulu. Uh, Apple TVs, Hulu, Stars, all these different things. Where eventually, like, just just get your movies from the library. It's free. 
Yeah, because if you have a, a, a Roku or a Chromecast or a Fire Stick, <laughs> listen, all these things are rattling off. If you, you have those things, you can get digital movies with your library card, download them, and put them on your big old TV screen. It's like you got a home movie theater. I didn't even know that before today. Yeah. Before right now. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. We've got Canopy. We've got 30,000 movies from Canopy, independent films and documentaries. You want your Criterion collection? We got it. So. Wow. Yeah, this man. is the moment, Jeff. This is the moment. I think libraries are coming back. And this it was this podcast that heralded it. No. Uh, <laughs> Jesse, it's been a pleasure, man. Thanks for joining me on this podcast. It's good to see you. It's good to see you, Jeff. And and I, I hope that people find a way to support local musicians. Yeah. Support local restaurants. Save our stages, man. Save our stages, save our servers. I don't know if anybody's saying that yet, but for the love of God, please tip them. Tip well. the servers. <laughs> save our libraries. Save our libraries. Just let's just save society. Let's save remember. Society. Which, yeah. which, if you want extra incentive as to why we should save society, read Jesse Shepard Bates's picks about apocalypses that we should avoid. It's great. Graphic novels. Thanks, Jesse. Thanks, Jeff. It was really good to see you. That was Jesse Shepard Bates, manager over at the Woodward Avenue Brewers. We call it the WAB here in Ferndale and had so many great things to share about the DIY Street Fair, which was going to be entering its 14th year. We're going to miss it this year, but it is best to stay safe. And wow, did Jesse have some great recommendations in uh, graphic novels and every title that he mentioned. We do carry it here at the Ferndale Area District Library. And this is the Ferndale Area District Library's podcast called A Little Too Quiet. It is brought to you by the friends of the Ferndale Library. Music is provided by a local musician, John Duffy. We'll have links in the show notes to some of the stuff that Jesse Shepard Bates is involved in, like the hand grenades. But for now, tune in next time. This is A Little Too Quiet. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.